soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Now, our job isn't to pass the test for the United States of America and government. Our job is to pass the test for the person we see in the mirror and the people we love closest to us and as a church congregation. That's what we want to do. We want to pass the test. There's no water. And it affects us daily when we think about the impact of all that's gone on and where it's taking us. But it's a test. No water is a test. So when we think about this, as we come to the end of 2020, have we shifted from frustration to faith? Have we shifted from fear to faith? Are we confident for our future because of God's faithfulness in the past to our personal lives and to this church and to humanity? Or are we murmuring in the present because of the loss and that there's no water Is the no water in our lives right now on December 12th bringing out our worst or is it bringing out our best? When there's a testing and there's things missing that have been taken, that will reveal what's in us. And I speak for myself. I could just be talking in the mirror right now to Pastor Joey. So just know I'm with all of you on this one. I should be on my knees teaching this study before you, not in this pulpit above you. I know this. I, we've all been through this. I've watched all these wonderful Calvary pastors navigate this last year, the ones that have social media, and you watch them go up and down. You watch them express frustration and exasperation, just like you have felt in your own lives, as no, you can't meet indoors. No, you can't even meet outside. No, 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 no water, no water, no water, no water, no water. Go home and quit. Roll over and die. I've watched people that I've respected in ministry for 33 years since I got the Harvest book and went to all these churches to visit these great men. And I've watched them. And I've watched them have to grow before our eyes, even as you've had to watch me grow before your eyes, and I've had to watch you grow before your eyes. But we need to make sure when there's no water, it doesn't bring us to the place where we're contending against the Lord or that we're blaming the Lord or blaming spiritual leaders. I haven't really felt too many people blame me for anything around here. So thank you for that. (laughs) That means I've taught you properly. You're not looking unto Joey, the author and finisher of your faith. You're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. They gathered against Moses and Aaron. But really, it says there in verse 2 that the people gathered together and they contended with Moses. But verse 13, it says, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord. So they weren't really contending with Moses and Aaron. They're just visible representatives of the Lord. They're really contending against the Lord. We don't want to end this year contending against God because there's no water. There's a lack of something in our life, practically, 
of necessity that we maybe had before. And I've said this verse a few times throughout this year from the book of Jeremiah, where God said, if you can't run with the foot soldiers, how are you going to run with the horsemen? And we just got to go deeper, stronger, better. We just, we got we to gotta keep finding another gear. You'd like to find another gear and catch your breath and say, let's just hold this gear for a while. But I get the feeling we're in like, find another gear. And then next month, got to find another gear. We got to keep finding another gear. That's what we have to do. We, we have to pass these tests in our personal lives with our marriages, if we're married, with our homes, with our children, our grandchildren, with our churches, with our communities. We have to just, there's no water. And we can't murmur against the Lord. And we can't contend against the Lord. We have to trust and remember that God has been faithful in the past. And the optic of uncertainty in the future, we need to just, when we see a loss of things, we just have to know that we're moving toward eternity. They can't take what you've already given. The main thing is when you lose things that people take, whether it's government or evil people, or they're one and the same, is that you know who you believed in and you know the standards of the word of God that guide and govern your heart. So when you come to those difficult decisions that are so far reaching for your life legacy and how they impact your life and others that you can say with Paul, I know who I believed in and I'm convinced he's able to keep that which I've committed to him until this day. And he also said to the Ephesian elders that none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to me that I can finish the race and fulfill the ministry he has set before me. When he had the uncertain future going toward Jerusalem revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Now, the second thing we see here with no water, which is the flashpoint, is they fell on their faces. That's pretty good to do when you're being tested and there's no water because you can contend against the Lord or you can fall on your faces. So we see here in verse 6, it says, So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Falling on our faces. We saw during the conflict with Korah, couple weeks ago on the verse by verse Tuesday night that Moses fell on his face as soon as there was conflict with Korah and he tried to reason with Korah Korah would receive none of it in fact Korah was just so demented in how he responded to Moses and then Moses fell on his face before the Lord with Aaron and then when God struck down the 280 plus with the censors then God had the plague the next day were 14,000 plus and Moses fell on his face again Three times in that chapter, Moses fell on his face. So I'm going to suggest to all of us that Moses had a pattern, that when life just completely overwhelmed him in his calling, he just fell on his face. And isn't that a good thing? I think that's, I, I thought that before with the core incident, but as soon as there's a problem with things and he falls on his face, that's a really good thing. Because some people, when they have a problem with people, they go right after the people. And they don't exhale, and they, they, they got to write the email. And as my son-in-law, Nate Gallagher, would say, who sends that email, right? You know, you write, you write this email, like, sit on it. Then you come back a day later, you edit it. And then, like, a few days later, like, edit a little more. And then you get down to, like, four sentences, like, I don't even need to say it. Just forget it. You just, you learn. Now, obviously, Moses failed in this test, but they fell on their faces, I would suggest to all of us the best thing we can do right now is make it a habit to fall on our faces when there's no water. 
and people are blaming us because there's no water. Or people are explaining to us that it's dangerous to have water. So you better not have water unless they give you the water. And they'll tell you how you get your water, when you get your water, and where you get your water. I think it's just really important that we can't ignore that text where it says they fell on their faces. They're overwhelmed yet again. 37 years of dealing with this stuff in the wilderness. They're at it again. Fall on your face before the Lord. That's what we have to do. Again, if 2020 teaches us anything, it's to fall on our face before the Lord. School is open. School's not open. School is kind of open. It's kind of not. Mask, shield, shield, mask, both. Like, what do you, like, what do you know? Today, when I get, went to get my dad, I had my mask. Like, that mask is not the kind of mask you got to have. Oh. <laughs> All right. Fortunately, they had the mask I needed. You need this mask. All right. Okay. I see how it is around here. January 1st, we even thought of a mask. They fell on their faces. We, we, we can't have contention over these things. Stay in the moment and fall on our faces. What does fall on our faces really represent? It represents brokenness and humility. But not, not so much like for the benefit of humanity, although it does benefit humanity, for your benefit. If people are coming against you and blaming you for things that God's doing or not doing, there's no water, it's your fault, and you serve the Lord, and you fall on your face, that's a good chain reaction of events. That's a good habit to have. It's, it's one we want to have. Like, we don't want to... Falling on our face represents humility, it represents brokenness, it represents good things. Because God resists the proud, but he always gives grace to the humble. And as people are melting down and the woke mob and cancel culture is canceling and shouting down people and censoring people, you know what? If you're on your face, you can never cancel that. You're already broke, so you can't be woked. How can cancel culture cancel you when you're on your face before the Lord? At the tabernacle. God resists the proud. He'll deal with cancel culture. Oh, he'll deal with them. For every idle word, every idle thought, its intent, its motives. He'll deal with that. That's not our situation. Our situation is brokenness before the Lord. Woke can't broke what's already broke. When you're broken on your face before the Lord, there's not a yelling, a lot of yelling and screaming going on or self-defense. It's just crying out for mercy Guidance, wisdom, protection from the Lord. It's casting your cares upon the Lord. And notice what happened. What happened? Just look at that verse again. What happened when they fell on their faces? What say after that? The glory of the Lord appeared to them. You don't find the glory of the Lord at the top of the mountain. You find the glory of the Lord in the deepest valley. When you take care of someone dying, that's when you see the glory of the Lord. When you're dying, that's when you see the glory of the Lord. When all you have is the Lord and his promises, that's when you see the glory of the Lord. I mean, when you are at the top of the mountain, you thank the good Lord. But when you're broken, you praise the Lord from the glory of the Lord. In my own experiences of life, and we're all in this together, because Jesus is a man of sorrows, we're told from Isaiah the prophet, 
that we most understand God's heart for humanity from sorrow in the valley. So when there's a, a tragedy and the loss of a loved one, those things break us. And in the, that brokenness, we, we see the Lord. We see the glory of the Lord. In the, in the darkest valleys, that's where the light shines brightest, and that's where we see the glory of the Lord. And we don't really ask for trials, and we don't ask for great testings. We don't ask for a lack of water, but when you come to the place of a lack of water, and there's all this contention, and there's brokenness, and in your face before the Lord, that's when you see the Lord. We prefer cruise control. We prefer safe and easy. But if anything's happened in 2020, safe and easy, except, well, a few people gotten much richer and much more powerful, but most of us feel less safe, and we definitely feel like life is less easy, which should put us on our face before the Lord. And if we see the glory of the Lord, that's a preview of coming attractions, right? That's the good thing about the glory of the Lord. If we see the glory of the Lord, if we really have those moments where we're in prayer and we're on our face and the, the room fills with the Holy Spirit and we just know he's talking to us and he's guiding our thoughts and putting visions on our heart, like that's all moving us toward eternity. That's not going to frustrate us with temporal. That's going to excite us and make us passionate for eternal. That's what the glory of the Lord does. The glory of the Lord doesn't leave us frustrated with time, space, and matter. The glory of the Lord elevates us for eternity and equips us to stand with that perspective for time, space, and matter. So we, like Paul, can say to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what the glory of the Lord does. And they saw the glory of the Lord. I would hope and pray for all the uncertainties that our futures hold for each of us for different reasons, whether it's the total planet or as American citizens or just your family, or you personally, in the journey that God has in front of us, the wisest thing every believer can do is follow the example of all the believers of previous generations, is to press into the Lord, fall on our faces, and let him reveal himself to us in those difficult places, because that's where we tend to hear his voice clearest, that's where we, well, Paul said it best in 2 Corinthians, the God of all comfort who comforts us in our despair, that we can comfort others. Paul said he was perplexed beyond understanding, despondent of life itself. How many people felt like that in 2020? But he said, but the God of all comfort comforted us, and with that comfort, we're able to comfort others. So that deep, dark place where we fall on our face and we see the glory of the Lord allows us to minister to other people when they're in those same deep, dark places. Which really brings us to the third and final thing of this text, is what was the purpose of speaking to the rock? Speaking to the rock was to reflect relationship. It was to reflect what already had happened, not, it was to reflect what's happening because what's already happened, not what needs to happen. It says, you shall speak to the rock. And from that rock, water will come for the people and their animals. Now, what's interesting about Moses' misrepresentation here is, what did God do? He still gave the water. The people got the water, the animals got the water. But this picture of the gospel that the father had in mind was incorrectly represented. And because it represented the gospel, the consequence was so far reaching. You know, if you turn the ball over in a meaningless game and a meaningless time, it doesn't mean anything. But you turn the ball over on the last play of the Super Bowl, that's Pete Carroll with the Seahawks against the Patriots. It's very meaningful. What you do and when you do it and what it represents with God in God's economy, there are majors and minors. There are 
different things that have far-reaching. And nothing's more important than the gospel. That's why Paul, when he wrote the Galatians, he said, if any other angel or I come to you and preach the gospel other than the gospel, let them be accursed. And this is the gospel. Christ was crucified once for all. And when Moses struck the rock in Exodus, it represented the gospel. It represented God's plan of salvation. Strike the rock once, crucified. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. What does the book of Hebrews tell us in the New Testament? Christ died once for all, not to be re-crucified again and again and again. The world needs to understand, all humanity, every generation, every tongue, tribe, and nation needs to understand that Christ died once for all, all sufficiency through his death, burial, and resurrection. And it only happens once. All those previews from Abel's offering there in Genesis 4 to all, you know, Abraham's offering with Isaac, what it represented, all these things, the the Passover lambs, the, the, the red heifer from the previous chapter 19, it's all pointing toward Jesus. But once he died on the cross and said it is finished and rose from the grave, it's finished. Christ died once for all. He wants us to understand that he has paid the price, truly. It is finished. It is finished. We don't, we can't make it based upon us. It's based upon who he is and what he's done and that we stand in that positional righteousness. We live in that positional righteousness and we flow from that because it's God who wills and works in us for his good pleasure and we let him do the work he's doing in us because if we think he has to be crucified over and over again, that's what we do when it's Jesus plus my good works or Jesus plus my little weird religious things that I add on to the gospel. But the rock was struck once. So therefore, the great error of this seems like, wow, you don't get to, you've lived 117 years and you don't get to go to the promised land because you smacked the rock twice? Like, what's up with that? Well, it's like a false gospel. That's what's up with that. Moses striking that rock misrepresented the gospel of grace. It represented that somehow Jesus dying once wasn't enough and you got to crucify him again and again. To whom much is given, much is required. And as the mediator of that covenant, it was supposed to be a beautiful typology like Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22 of the father giving his son. So too, this is a word picture. This is a a typology for all humanity to have from black and white, if you will, the Old Testament a shadow of things to come, the fullness of Christ. And this was this beautiful thing that God was going to do. And all Moses had to do, like a believer who's been saved by faith and grace, is ask the Father. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? Seek, knock, and ask. It's about the Holy Spirit. So all you do is you, when you have a relationship, you don't crucify Jesus. You speak to Jesus. And you ask for the Holy Spirit. And you ask to be filled. And you believe that you are filled because he fills us. It's a total misrepresentation of the gospel and the life of a believer. And that's why, like, maybe Moses and Aaron later that day, Aaron's like, man, dude, I can't believe it. Like, we're not, but don't feel too bad for Moses, right? Because where's Moses in the New Testament? He's in the promised land, in the glorified body, on the mountain of transfiguration. So it cost him something in time, but it didn't cost him anything in eternity. And that's kind of what happens with us too, right? After things that maybe we've done that bad decisions and the consequence, it costs us something in time with the Lord. But the eternal blessings are still there. So when we think about Moses needs to speak to the rock, not strike the rock. 
It reminds us of Jesus. We need to speak to the rock, Jesus. We need to hallow the rock. We need to trust the rock. And what's interesting about this, on this closing thought, on this third and final point, he says in verse 12, you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Wait. So you mean these rebels, which is what they are, right? Moses, these rebels, you rebels, whack, 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 hit the rock twice. God's like, you didn't hallow me. Let me translate that for you in the New Testament. You didn't keep your witness. You blew your witness. Lord, half these people aren't going to the promised land. What's my witness matter? These people are rebels. They contend against you. What's it say in the next verse? It says the people contend against the Lord. These people were rebels. And they were contending against the Lord and contending against Moses and Aaron. But that doesn't release Moses and Aaron from misrepresenting the Lord in the gospel and speaking to the rock. Wow. Is this perhaps the most profound application of the text for all of us right now? What God is saying is like, don't let the wheels come off right now. Stay in your lane. Don't let the wheels come off. Look, I know it's all unraveling and it is the apocalypse. But just don't lose your witness now. Hallow me. Speak to the rock. Let the rebels see who falsely accuse you, who blame, let those who blame you for me being me, right? This is what we're saying here. Let those rebels who are blaming you, Moses and Aaron, when they're really blaming me. So how many people are attacking Christians around the world right now? How many people in America are attacking Christians, right? How many people are just loving to attack the church right now as government helps them do it? More box stores, more abortions, more bars open, all this stuff, whatever, but no churches open. A lot of people like that. Do you realize that? And you just want to go like, get your stick and crack the rock twice. Whacka, whacka, like whack-a-mole. You know, you used to see it like, you know, Chuck E. Cheese, the whack-a-mole. Whack, whack, whack. Yeah, but you can't do that. It's like when Jackie Robinson played in the big leagues as the first African-American, Branch Rickey, the owner of the Dodgers, Brooklyn Dodgers, said, look, for two years, you can never, ever retaliate no matter what happens. And that man endured so much, he died young from what he went through those first two years where he couldn't retaliate. He just had to take it, all the abuse in every stadium. He just had to take it, no matter what. He had to take it. For two years, he had to turn the other cheek and never say a word, no matter what they did to him. He had to keep his composure, and then the rest of the African Americans could come in and integrate Major League Baseball and eventually all the sports. Well, that's for time, temporal, and just for reasonable justice and equity for the human experience. Ours is for the kingdom of God. Ours is for the kingdom of God. That's incredible. What a legacy. But ours is even a higher legacy. It's a higher calling. So people that are rebels against God, who are blaming God for everything going on right now, and maybe blame us because of our association with God, you're saying we can't strike the rock twice? That's exactly what I'm saying. The integrity and the witness of the gospel must be maintained by those who represent it. We must hallow the Lord, speak to the rock, and speak the water out. Because God's faithful to his character. You notice he gave them grace. He gave the animals and the people water. He gave the rebels water because he's true to himself. And Moses and Aaron's misrepresentation did not cost the rebels from getting the water for themselves and their animals. It just costed Moses and Aaron. And in the end, us losing our witness or blowing our witness 
we're unraveling right now, it will cost us. And you think, well, these people aren't going to get saved anyways. And maybe you think that because it's easy to think like that. In the end, it's not even really about whether or not they get saved or not. I mean, we want to have a heart that they get saved. What matters is that we're faithful and we maintain the witness till the end. Because Jesus said, I'm the light of the world and you're the light of the world. And I'm giving you my spirit and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I've said this for so often. It doesn't, people believing or not believing doesn't negate the, the importance and the necessity of our witness being faithful and true to Jesus Christ. Speak to the rock. Hallow the rock. Trust God who brought water from the rock when the rock was struck, the gospel, but you have a relationship. Keep your composure. Speak to the rock. The water will come forth and Whichever rebels are going to get saved, they're going to get saved. Whichever rebels are not going to get saved, they're not going to get saved. But either way, we're going to step into eternity and we need to fulfill our ministries and be faithful and true to the Lord who's called us and what he's doing in our life. Amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.